Good morning and welcome to worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to welcome you to this hour of worship, whether you are here in the sanctuary or you are listening on WRR or live streaming. We are glad that you have chosen to make this worship opportunity a part of your Sunday experience. If you are visiting among us, a special welcome to you. We look forward to coming to know you. We have gift bags at the desk in the atrium. So as you exit the worship service this morning, please know that we have volunteers there who are eager to talk with you, to tell you a little bit about our church, and to help you become involved. I want to encourage you, those of you who are in our sanctuary to please grab the friendship pads. You will find those on the outside aisles of your pews. Register your presence so that we might know who is worshiping with us this morning. But also, please note the names of those who are around you so that you might greet those around you more personally following worship this morning. We endeavor to create opportunities for community building in the church, and this is certainly a prime opportunity to do that. So we welcome uh, you to do that. In your pew racks in front of you, you will find prayer and connect cards. If you are new to Preston Hollow, are thinking of joining or have questions about the church, let us know on the connect card. On the reverse of the card, if you come today, with a prayer of celebration or concern that the pastors and the deacons can join you in prayer, uh, that is a way to let us know those cards go in the offering plate later in the service. As you look on the back of your bulletin, you will see a number of announcements that will uh, let you know that we are an active and thriving congregation. We want you to consider it an open invitation to participate in anything that strikes your fancy, appeals to you, you can read about how to become involved in these things more uh, on the back of the bulletin, also on our website. We'd like to call just a couple of announcements to your attention this morning to highlight. On Tuesday, we began our six-week Good Grief support group. This is a small group opportunity for individuals who've experienced some kind of a loss and who are in a time of grief and sorrow. Uh, this is open to anyone. You do not need to be a member of the church, so we welcome anyone. You can uh, read more about how to sign up and become involved in that. Also from the care ministry, beginning on Thursday for two consecutive Thursday evenings, we will be offering information sessions for what are called the sandwich generation, roughly 40s to 60-year-olds who still have children, young people, whether they are upper high school or college or young adults in their lives, uh, and also parents or other seniors in their lives for whom they are uh, caring. Uh, these are opportunities for discussion about important documents, about how to have difficult conversations with our senior adults about uh, safety issues and other life choices living arrangements and the like. So please read more about that and know that you are invited to come. Again, this is open to anyone who might benefit from that information. Finally, I want to call to your attention this Opportunities to Volunteer document. You will find this in the atrium. At Preston Hollow, we have a host of opportunities for you to be engaged as a volunteer, as a disciple. Um, there are ways of learning and ways of giving. There is a list of uh, ministry partners with whom you can join in a partnership yourself. There are ways to become involved with our children's and youth ministries. We have youth trips 
mission opportunities. We have Vacation Bible School, Jam Camp, all sorts of things will be coming up this year, and this is a great time to sign up for that. Meals on Wheels is another specifically uh, uh, highlighted ministry that you might consider participating in. Know that you have the opportunity to do that, and what better time than the beginning of the calendar year to do just that. Friends, we have gathered here to worship Holy God. Let us now turn our whole heart, mind, and our attention to our good Lord.
Please join me in reading responsibly the call to worship printed in your bulletin. Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Welcome one another in Jesus' name. For Christ is truly present among us. God walks with us on the journey of life and of faith. Let us worship God. we bring all of ourselves, including our mistakes, our regrets, and the ways in which we have fallen short. In confession, we collectively name our shortcomings, trusting that God will forgive us and give us new opportunities to do good in the world. Let us join together in prayer of confession, printed in the bulletin. Holy God, there are captains in our lives. Deep values and separate us from you and from one another. We confess that we allow those bridges to grow for fear of the name of our heart in separation or of being rejected when we reach out. You call us to a reconciled life, to deal with relationships, and to the wholeness of each other and with you. Nothing you can do or say or fail to do 
can separate you from God's love. God claims you, loves you, and forgives you. So friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. of your holy word, open our ears, for we long to hear a word of hope. Open our minds, for we seek to understand. Open our hearts, for we want to be transformed. Amen. So last week we kicked off our sermon series entitled, Is It Just Me? It was a series uh, that really was inspired by many of the conversations I was having last spring with many of you. Uh, some of those conversation, conversations happened here at the church. Others uh, happened out in the parking lot or even at the grocery store. And there were conversations around the things that you were carrying, the things that uh, you were struggling with, the things that you were wrestling over. And a theme emerged Almost to a T in, the, in this month-long period, almost all of those conversations ended this way. Matthew, I'm so sorry to bother you with this. I'm sure I'm the only one wrestling with this. Everyone thought that they were the only ones wrestling with work or relationships or with grief. Everyone thought they, they were the only people to feel lonely in the world. And so today, um, we're going to talk about loneliness. We're going uh, to look to the scriptures and see what wisdom is. It can be mined to guide our lives, to help us understand when we say lonely, what we actually mean. And I need to tell you this. I don't know anyone who, who can talk about shame or vulnerability or loneliness today and not talk about the social scientist Brene Brown Brene Brown is at the University of Houston, and um, I have to tell you, I probably don't have an original thought in what I'm about to say. I've been so informed by what Brene Brown and her research has shown. If you don't know Dr. Brown's work, I, uh, I really commend it to you. If there's something that I say today that resonates with you, uh, I really recommend that you go find her work online or in books. Did you know in 1980, there was a poll done about Americans who felt lonely. In 1980, 20% of us Americans felt lonely. A similar poll was done in 2010, and that number had more than doubled. Nearly half of Americans, when asked if they experienced loneliness in 2010, said yes. Can you imagine when the poll happens in 2020 what that number is going to be? 
More than half of us experience loneliness, this feeling that not all parts of us belong fully. For instance, not all parts of us fully belong in our families, at work, or in our social circles. For instance, you may have a group of friends that you go to the game with, or you uh, may play bridge with, and you have much in common. You love whatever it is that has brought you together. You may have children in similar life stages, but you may vote differently than everybody else at the table. You may believe differently than everybody else at the table. You may have chosen to raise your kids in a different way than everybody else at the table. And so this leaves you feeling like there are certain things that you're not allowed to talk about in those circles. That's loneliness. Loneliness can also feel this way. When you feel like you have been pushed to the edge, to the edge of every social circle, like there is an inside crowd over there, and I think that all of those people can bear their souls to one another, but I'm sort of standing here on the edge looking in. That is the feeling of loneliness. You're in the lunchroom, and you see a crowd that has grown up together, and you just, you make all these assumptions about them, that they're all best friends, that they all talk about the struggles of their lives, and they all talk about their parents and the things that they're wrestling with. You assume that they're talking about where they're going to go to school, and if they don't get into the school of their dreams, you assume and you just feel like you're the only one. More than half of us feel this way. And yet we live in the most connected time in the history of the world. I read something this week that uh, blew my mind and I frankly don't know what to make of it. It says uh, that our iPhones, the iPhones, no matter what model that you have that is in your pocket or pocket purse or, or out in your car this morning, the iPhone, has 100,000 times more processing power than the computer that was used to land the first person on the moon. Think about that. And these computers are powerful. They have a way to connect us with the entire world with a fingerprint or a retina display or whatever it does and the push of a button. We could be connected to people that we went to fourth grade with and haven't talked to since. We can know where they work, we can see what their kids look like, we can know where they live. Every week, I have a conversation with a friend of mine that I went to seminary with, and so I hit two buttons on my iPhone, and I don't know how it happens, but this person answers in Nairobi, Kenya. <laughs> That's where they live. And we talk about the text, and we catch up on our lives, and in an instant, I am connected to a market in Nairobi, they don't even charge me long distance for it. How is it possible? But you know, uh, the science is also revealing this. We make assumptions about what our social media should do. We opt into groups or we like things, and so we assume that because we have opted into certain uh, groups or because we have liked things, that when we find those people in real life, that they should be our people. But what the science is showing is, you just all really like the Dallas Cowboys. You don't have anything else in common. 
And what the science is showing is, except we show up expecting that everyone else feels like they fully belong, and we are the only ones. We are the only ones who don't feel like we fully belong. Did you know uh, UPenn just did a, a, a research study? And it showed that uh, those who spend hours on social media every day are linked to depression, suicidal thoughts, and loneliness. This same study said uh, if you can cut your social media intake to 30 minutes a day, some of us are thinking, okay, I'm going to need Jesus to help me with that one, right? If you can cut social media intake to 30 minutes a day, it reverses many of those effects of depression, suicidal thoughts, and loneliness. And some of you are thinking, okay, I get it, we're lonely, what's the big deal? People feel isolated, they've always felt isolated, it's not like anybody's going to die or anything, except there was a study done, there was a study done uh, in Britain several years ago, and it says loneliness is a greater determinant of death, you ready for this, than smoking excessive drinking, and obesity. Loneliness is a greater determinant of death than smoking, excessive drinking, and obesity. Uh, the Minister of Health in the UK has recognized loneliness as an epidemic, and do you know in the UK, they have just named a minister, a health minister of loneliness. That is not a mighty python reference. <laughs> we, um, there's an epidemic of loneliness. But I think it's deeper than that. Brene Brown also suggests that it's deeper than that, that it's actually a spiritual crisis. Imagine with me, if you don't feel like you fully belong anywhere or to anyone, quick question, how can you expect to fully belong to God? I mean, if you don't feel like you fully belong to anyone or to any place, how can you expect yourself to feel like you fully belong to the divine? I think loneliness is not just a feeling that we carry around with us. It's, it's actually a crisis of our spirit. It's a crisis of our identity. We're going to uh, turn to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, but before we jump into that, I want to tell you that I think um, Jesus, throughout all of the Gospels, goes to those who are the most lonely. Jesus always goes to those on the margins. Uh, Jesus always goes to those uh, that society has pushed to the side. Jesus spends a lot of time with lonely people, and Jesus is going to spend time with a lonely woman today, but you need to recognize the subtext. Uh, Jesus is going to find himself in Samaria. He's going to find himself at a well uh, with a Samaritan woman. But this is what we need to know that is below the surface of this text. Those who were making their way back to Judea, uh, those who were Jewish in Jerusalem, had an option when making their way back to Judea. They could decide whether or not to go around Samaria or to go through Samaria. 
If they went through Samaria, it saved them in an entire day's journey on their route. So you may be thinking, why didn't they always go through Samaria? Well, 150 years before Jesus was born, there was a, a king in Jerusalem, a ruler, and he was Jewish, and he ordered his military to go to Samaria. And he ordered that the temple in Samaria be leveled. And so the military from Jerusalem went all the way to Samaria, and they leveled that temple to say that the true temple is in Jerusalem. That is where right worship happens. And those in Samaria were not very happy about it. What's the only thing worse than leveling someone's temple? Desecrating it. And so a group of uh, Samaritans hung out late into the night, and they hung out just outside the temple in Jerusalem. And they brought in dead bodies, and they scattered them all throughout the temple in Jerusalem to desecrate the temple. To say that Jews from Jerusalem and Samaritans didn't like each other is an understatement. You know you really, really, really have beef with people when you are trying to ruin and wreck one another's holy sites. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, not only decides to go through Samaria, he stops there and has a conversation with someone from the margins. So listen for the word of the Lord to all of us this day from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was uh, about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, uh, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, uh, How is it that you, a Jew, Ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria. You see, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket. And that well, the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? I mean, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here every day to draw this water. And Jesus said to her, uh, go, go call your husband and come on back. And the woman answered, uh, 
I, 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 have, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right. For you have five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And then the woman said to him, sir, I see that you're a, you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor over in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will follow the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. And just then his disciples came. They were uh, astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? No one said, why are you speaking with her? Then the woman laughed. She left her water jar. She went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city. They were on their way to him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. No one goes to the well at noon. Noon is the hottest part of the day in the ancient Mediterranean. No one goes to the well at noon. No one goes to the well at noon except this woman. Can you imagine feeling so lonely that the only place that you feel like you actually belong is the very place where no one else is? Can you imagine feeling so lonely that the only place that you feel like you fully belong is the place where no one else is around? This woman knew that she wasn't welcomed in her town. She knew because she had five husbands, she was outside of those that were included. And don't you know that woman? Don't you know that she had tried to go to that well at 9 a.m.? And she felt excluded. And don't you know she pushed it back an hour. And so she thought, you know what, I'm going to go at 10. And don't you know when she got there and she saw the people around, she felt like, ah, there's still people there. I don't belong. Don't you know that it was one day she realized, oh, no one is at the well at noon. That is the place I can go and no one will bother me. And I can get the water I need and I don't have to. To listen to all that. How many times do you think that she had been to that well and no one was there? A couple hundred, maybe a thousand? So the day that uh, she goes to the well and Jesus shows up, it changes her routine, it changes her plan, it changes everything about the way that she survives in the world. Everything. 
And from the very beginning, we see that Jesus not only goes to the places that are on the margins, but Jesus seeks out those who are on the margins to say, I know that there have been some conversations about which temple is the right temple. I know that there have been some conversations about who's included and not included. I know that there have been some conversations that have led to your hurt and to you being ostracized from your entire community. But I'm here to tell you that you're having the wrong conversation. You're playing the wrong game. I know Samaria has got beef with Jerusalem about the temple. But I'm here to tell you that the temple's not going to be rebuilt. It's not going to be rebuilt in the way that you imagine. No, I'm here to share this news with you that you, you are the temple. You are the temple. Even you who feel so lonely that you have to wait until noon to show up and come to the well, that you are the temple for we are to worship in spirit and in truth. Oh, I think Jesus shows us a way forward in this crisis of loneliness. Jesus shows up to a part of town where no one feels like they belong to those people. He shows up to a people who have been talked about and the rhetoric has been really spiteful and Jesus sits down and asks this woman who should be his enemy to nourish him. To nourish him. And Jesus says to her, I know you feel like you don't belong anywhere. You've had five husbands and the one that you're with now is not even your husband. But I'm here to say that you belong to me. Jesus says you belong to me. Friends, I think that we have forgotten that we fully belong to God. All parts of us, even the parts that you think, yeah, 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 Matthew, but uh, I don't want God knowing about those parts, even those parts. The parts that you think don't belong in your friend circle or, or your so, social circle. God, said that, God says that you belong to me and even those parts belong to me. Because I see me in you, for you are the new temple. <laughs> I was um, celebrating Hanukkah several years ago with my kids over at Temple Emmanuel. That's where they go to uh, early childhood education. And so we got invited to a Hanukkah party over at Temple, and it was like the fourth night of Temple. And uh, there was this uh, singer-songwriter who was leading us through the fourth night of uh, Hanukkah, and the singer-songwriter asked us, everyone in this huge hall, Pullman Hall, to pair up. To find someone that we did not come with and to, to pair up with them. And so we sort of nervously did that because we didn't know what was going to be asked of us next. And, and so we found a partner. And so then the singer-songwriter said, okay, I want you to turn to one another and I want you to look at one another in the eye. We all sort of did the nervous laugh thing. Y'all know that? The, <laughs> yeah, we'll try this. And so we turned to one another and there we are standing right in front of a stranger. 
And what felt like a year and a half passed, it was probably seven seconds, we were just looking at each other, and the singer-songwriter said, I want you now to look into one another's eyes, and I want you to repeat after me. So we did it, and he said, repeat after me, I, I give thanks, I give thanks for you. So we did it, and then he said, okay, now I want you to repeat after me. I, I give thanks, I give thanks to you. And he said, friends, we must remember that the eyes are the gateway into the soul. And it hit me. I wasn't just saying, I give thanks for you, Sarah. I give thanks to you, oh God. Friends, we live in a crisis, a spiritual crisis, that we have forgotten that we fully belong to the divine. And yet the divine is chosen to take up flesh in us and through us. Maybe the way forward in these days, in these divided days, in these days when we feel like we're the only ones, is to recognize that all people belong to God, us included. All people belong to God, even the people uh, that we encounter in our office, even the people in our family that we really struggle to believe belong to God, even the people that we vote differently from, even the people that we live on the other side of town from, we all belong to God because we belong to God. And maybe the invitation to the spiritual path is really to seek to live like we belong to one another. For Jesus went through Samaria. He found a woman sitting at the well, and he said to her, you can drink of this water, but you will be thirsty but I will give you living water and you'll never be thirsty again. And after they were done talking, the woman got up and left. And she left the bucket that she had come with right there for she tasted that living water. Let us pray. God, we are grateful grateful for your spirit that binds us to one another through you. We pray that our eyes would see the holiness that is our very lives. Um, we pray, O oh God, that we would see the divine in the stranger, in the outcast, in the friend, and in the lover. For we pray in your holy name. Amen. Family of faith, having heard the word read and proclaimed, I invite you to rise either in body or in spirit and join me in the affirmation of faith printed in your bulletin.
We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God, who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.
You may be seated. As we focus on prayer, I call to your attention on the back of your bulletin, you will find joys and concerns and commend these prayers to your personal prayer life in the coming week as we uphold our members and friends in their various uh, prayer concerns and celebrations. Also, I want to remind you that is our custom each week. We have care letters which have been prepared for individuals and families who are going through a time of celebration or a time of concern. These letters are through the door to my right under the windows. You're invited to sign those letters whether or not you know the recipients because your signature is an example of prayer and an example of support of this faith community. And so please know that that invitation is before you. Friends, now please join your hearts and minds with mine in prayer. Let us pray together. God of our lives, we give you thanks for your abundance. We give thanks for rain that waters crops and for the richness of the soil. We're grateful for the labor of planters and harvesters and for all those who work so that we might have food on our tables. We give you thanks for your loving care. We give thanks for communities that ground us and for families and chosen families that nurture and support us. We are grateful for the people who love us despite our shortcomings and for the growth and grace that comes with being in relationship. Because you love us and because you give of yourself so abundantly, we also reach out to love one another and to give of ourselves abundantly. Even so, we deal with an epidemic of loneliness. Despite countless ways of connection and living in a most connected time in the history of our world, we feel lonely. And so this day we pray for those who can be in a room full of people and yet feel alone or isolated or lonely. We pray this day that you would enable us to recognize you in the faces and in the lives of each other. And so we pray that your love will reach all people and that we will each be assured that we belong to you, our whole selves. We pray for those this day who are food insecure, whose stomachs grumble with hunger. We pray for children who go without meals and parents who work hard. We pray for those who are without sustainable housing and those who are facing eviction. We pray for those who are fleeing violence and poverty, for those who have survived domestic abuse and those struggling with addiction. We pray for those in the face of natural disasters and pray for your safekeeping. We pray today for all those who have been discriminated against in any conceivable way. We pray for those who are facing difficult diagnoses and prolonged hospitalizations and those who are deeply grieved and carrying heavy burdens. We lift up these people and their family members and loved ones. God, we know that the suffering of this world is profound because we have experienced loss and grief ourselves. 
But we also know that your love and your abundance are everlasting, and that you desire our welfare, and that you desire the welfare of the world. As we remember this day, this weekend, and especially tomorrow, the ministry of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., we pray with thanksgiving for his courage, for his sacrifice, for his visionary leadership, his tenacity, his humility, and so many other gifts for which our country and culture remain beneficiaries. There is more work to be done, yes. And so guide our steps, give us the fortitude to speak and a holy nudge when we should keep silence. Ground us once more in your grace and send us out to live like we belong to one another. Help us to be creators of justice, compassion, peace, and a sense of belonging. All of this we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. say that we believe that all belong to God, we also have to trust that their inherent worth and value belongs to God. And so part of what we are doing this month is we are giving all of our single dollar bills to the organization La Posada Providencia, which provides safe shelter to poor immigrants and asylum speakers at the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. We do this because Jesus saw the lonely. He saw the hurting. And so we try to do the same. So friends, may we give generously this morning.
This morning we gave you our tithes and our offerings along with our confessions of loneliness and our prayers to belong. And we trust that you see them and we trust that you'll use them. For you have always had a way of finding and seeing the lonely in our world. So in the same way this morning, God, we give you our tithes and our offerings and we trust that you will guide us to find ways to use them to help the lonely and the hurting in our world. May it be so. Amen. parts of you belong to God. You belong to God, all of you. So live as though that are true and seek to live like you belong to one another, my dear friends. 
For as we go forth from this hour of worship, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them and may God take our lips and speak through them and may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen.